Welcome back. Hey. Uh, you know, I know you've all been wondering since we last left off, what happened with Isaac and Bill Gates? Well, yeah. Tell it's, us. it's really funny, actually. Okay. Um, so we had always talked about me driving to his house once I get my driver's license. Like, I had always been like, you know, I'm going to drive to your house and see you when I get my driver's license. Like, it's something Bill and I always talked about. Yeah, I remember you telling me about it, yeah. too. Yeah. So. Really exciting. Believe it or not, we broke up. Okay. Oh. He, he actually has been interested in a younger blonde girl, which you might have heard this in the news. He's actually interested in a underage girl, which uh, unfortunate, you know? Yeah. yeah. Dang. Wow. But I actually got my driver's license and I've been thinking a lot about Bill lately and driving to his house. It would I'm be sorry, like a man. 20 hour road trip. But right. I mean, we had always talked about it. Yeah. Well, he should have fought. He should have followed through with that instead of going with that dumb blonde girl, you know? Well, I guess he just didn't mean what he said yeah in that tweet about yeah well i was also looking and uh on instagram he had posted um of them getting strawberry ice cream in malibu didn't didn't y'all do that we used to do that and i bet you i bet you he was listening to billy joel you showed her i showed him billy joel i showed him uptown girl And now he's acting like it's their song. Yeah. I bet he even tells her, I love you, between the chorus, chorus and, and the, the verse. Yes. Oh my god, bro. And that's what he used to do with me. That's, I mean, everything's so reused with, within that relationship. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, good for you. I, and I Gosh. guess I wasn't enough right? for you, Bill. You traitor. You traitor. Brutal. Uh, that's brutal out here, um, man. Was, <laughs> Man, I don't know the whole track. <laughs> that we, I don't know any more tracks. <laughs> I don't know either. I hey, think "Stream Sour" by Stream Olivia Sour, Rodrigo. Really, yeah. If you haven't, really good, actually. Still need to listen to the rest of it, but hey, but hey, how about that cold open? Can we get a uh, audience? Can we live studio audience? Can we get a clap? <laughs> Woo! Yeah. All right. Well, we're um, we're on we're on point. These days, we are not pandering to any audience. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, so it's time for the daily segment of uh, the what um, chapter you're on in the Warrior Cats series. So, okay, so I actually got to series three. I same. finished series three. So let's talk about the Warrior Cats, which this podcast is Meow Meow Cats Warriors. Just in case, we've been gone for a while. Yeah. We rebranded recently. If you're just coming back to the show, yeah, no, it's, it's about the Warrior Cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, as we all know, Firestar, by the end of the first series, has ascended to the leadership position right. in the Thunder Clan? Thunder Clan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's defeated Tiger Star, yeah. the leader of the Dark Clan. Right. Um, Shadow Clan. Shadow Clan, yeah. yeah. Fuck Shadow And so, Clan. in the second series... We all know the second series of Warrior Cats. It's been out for years. We've all read it, right? So, you know, Bramble Heart, (laughs) I think, (laughs) meets a badger who tells him a prophecy about Firestar dying. Yeah. Maybe. So, there's some events that happen. Doesn't Firestar die? I think Firestar dies, loses one of his lives, because they've got nine lives when they ascend to the leadership position and then they have kids and the kids that's that's series three yeah and series three is like an exodus yeah like they're moving uh to a new like home the new generation yeah warriors cats the next generation Mm -hmm. yeah and by the end of it the kid one of the children has just been like exiled for like murder cat murder or something (laughs) and they're setting up a plot line in the fourth series which I, i i can't say i've read I didn't read the fourth series. That the fourth series was coming out as I was like desperately trying to catch up. Because here's the thing: I didn't even read the second series. I like read some of the first and skipped to three, and I was, dude, I was so like fucked up. Like that's phenomenal that you read any of them. I realized it while we were talking. You have to have read them. Yeah, that's no, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I just I. That was so big for my identity in elementary school. Like I, not only did I read the books, 
I was on the Warrior Cats forums online. Really? And I think this is probably the cringiest shit I'm ever going to say. I was in a Sonic roleplay community on WarriorCats.com. <laughs> and also... <laughs> Infused with elements of the video game series Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I've done I've done cringy shit too. I just never had access to the internet. Fuck you. I never got to do that shit, but I probably would have. When you're 12 years old and you're into Warriors Cats (laughs) and you want to go online because no one else is reading them. And you want to have a discussion, and you just wander into a Sonic role-playing community. <laughs> you <wonder laughs> you're, you're telling me you don't just role-play as your o, your OC Sonic character? <laughs> okay, I mean, hey. I mean, shoot me in the leg if it's a crime to role-play as an original character, Sonic no, character, it's, it's not. in Kingdom Hearts, on the Warriors online forum. Okay, it's what I, what gets me is that it's roleplay as Sonic on the Warrior Cats forum, bro. They seep into every fandom, bro. The Sonic, the Sonic furry like community yeah. just somehow turns up anywhere. I don't think these guys are furries, but I also don't remember. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the times... It, like, I don't remember a lot about the roleplay, but I remember, like, the Percy Jackson movie came out, <laughs> and, like, going on there and being, like, out of RP right now, but did you guys see Percy Jackson? I'm so mad! And they were like, oh my god, they ruined the books. Like, <laughs> they were just cultured people. Dude. Yeah. Warriors, Sonic, <laughs> Percy Jackson, like, you don't need much bro. else. Bro. Oh. But, in all seriousness, before we move on to actual movies, I just have to say, in all seriousness, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the Warrior Cats books, <laughs> and now looking back on it, I'm like, that could have been, like, a like a slippery slope into, like, Furryville. Yeah. You know, like, a lot of people that read the Warrior Cats books are probably furries now. And no doubt. Just, it didn't click with me until, like, recently, and I was thinking about them, and then, you know, people were laughing at me for it. I'm like, why? They were, this is good storytelling. I don't know what... <laughs> I will tell people, you know, it's like crack, you know? You, you get into it, and then one day you're in a den, and you're just smoking Warrior's Cats in your furry suit, and you... you XDR people online. Like, that's just how it goes. It's that's a slippery the, slope. That's the ebb and flow, bro. That's the thumbnail. Is just the Warriors Cats books <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> okay. I'm going to totally mislead people with the title and, like, the description. Olivia Rodrigo said, what about Warrior, Warrior Cats? Cats? I'm going to do it. It's in there. Okay, well. We're a serious film podcast. Yeah. Enough with the nonsense. God, yeah, enough of that shit. Let's talk about serious film time now. Okay. So you saw an art house film recently. I, did. I heard uh, Mortal Kombat. I've heard there's a bit of Jackson Pollock, like, splatter work yes, in that movie. There is. It's poorly done, though. But, I mean, i got to give the movie credit where credit is due. Um, you know, it is an art house film. So naturally it's boring as fuck it has no nothing to say at all um and it's poorly made and i live by that (laughs) isn't the main character like just some made-up dude like he's not a mortal kombat character he's like an mma fighter i've never heard of the mortal of that of him like the main character i was like in the mortal kombat verse i've never heard his name ever of course, I haven't. I'm not an OG Mortal Kombat player, hmm. but I've played enough to know the characters. I knew every character in that movie except for the main character. Like, I feel like he is made up. I think he is movie. made up, which is so stupid because it's like, why can't you choose one of the 163 characters they've made? That's there's like a, such a wide berth yeah. of like characters that could have been the main character. In fact, in the original like Paul W. S. Anderson 
movie, which is a bit divisive. Like, I even like that he they did chose... that would be blood, right? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. Okay, Shut go ahead. the fuck up. You know better. I know you're joking. I know you're joking, Mr. Last Man. But he chose Liu Kang to focus okay, on, which yeah. was a pretty good main yeah. character, in my opinion. And then you had Raiden and everyone still there. Which, he was white for some reason in that movie, but he was, like, the guy from Highlander, so it was still kind of awesome. Right. Outworld is fucking with us. We've got to go out there and you got to beat him up, Liu Kang. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I don't remember if that's his voice exactly, but... Well, it should be. Like that. (laughs) Yeah, um... Yeah, man, like, at least... The one thing I can give this movie is everybody was appropriately cast. Mm. You know, like, you had the um, Asian-American... or maybe just Asian, you know, actors uh, cast in their respective Asian roles. Yeah. White people were where they needed to be, and you had African American like Jax. Okay, they cast Jax perfectly. I'm just gonna say, like, I heard Kano was also a big. It, yes, Kano basically carried the movie on his back. Um, what little movie there was to carry, but y'all don't care about that. You want to know how were the fatalities? What were yeah. the brutalities? Was there the gore in this movie? There like, was a lot hard. of gore. So, specifically, I remember, um, no spoil. if you still haven't seen it, it's, just, it's like an hour and a half, just go watch it real quick. But either, either I way, haven't seen it, I don't care, I'm gonna listen to Casey spoil Okay, well, so. um, I'll try not to spoil it, but there- No, 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 the, spoil okay, it. Okay, 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 fine. So, um, <laughs> okay, so, basically, the movie, um, there's, uh, um- Hypothetically. R- hypothetically, um, okay, I'm sorry guys, I'm sorry, I'm not a huge Mortal Kombat fan, um, I- Get names wrong and mixed up. What is the name of the dude with the saw blade hat? Oh, uh, Kung Lao. Kung, Kung Lao. Kung Lao, maybe. Oh, I'm not. That it's okay. Huge of a that dude. Guy either. Yeah. So you know his face. I'm sure you're familiar with the fatality. Oh yeah, where he can like split people. In yeah. Half. So he throws the hat on the ground and then runs a body like head first through it. That fatality is in the movie. And it happens to this fucking, and I don't know her name either, but she's a fucking winged beast. She's in the movie for literally like 10 minutes. She, The only thing she does is fly around and look menacing, and then literally Kung Lao throws his hat on the ground, and the saw blade starts, and she flies down, and he basically takes her. I'm standing up to demonstrate right now. He takes her, tumbles on the ground, and then throws her head first into the fucking saw blade That's and splits through her body. And I was like, okay, wow. But this is like an hour into the movie. And I'm like, where was that, you know, earlier? Um, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, the Scorpion, or, uh, yeah, the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight, a little lackluster, to be honest, which is surprising because Sub-Zero had the best brutalities and fatalities in the movie, like, he broke Jax's arms off, literally, like, in the first 20 minutes of the movie. I was like, bro, the fuck? Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's like they did, It's like the budget for this movie was, like, $10 million. You know, and the average budget nowadays is, is 35 to $85 million, And they gave this movie, like, so little. Because the effects were not good. Like, the video games have better, you know, visuals than this movie. Um, but... I kind of had fun with it, but honestly, I mean, the story was awful. So, mm. it was so fucking bad. But Kano was great in the movie. So was Jax. And a couple of fatalities were cool. You know, I'd say skim through the movie. <laughs> I might watch a clip on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. It went after a while. <clears throat> but but what did you... You probably saw something more engaging than I did. <laughs> I, um... Well, that's a good note to start off, like, people carrying movies. I saw a movie that I had never seen that was really hyped up to me, uh, Tombstone. Yeah. Um, so, it is, like, a pretty standard Western, which I, I've, I've come to realize that I enjoy revisionist Westerns, like, oh, Unforgiven yeah. and, like, shit like that yeah. a lot more. Like, stuff that challenges the genre a little bit. Mm-hmm. This was definitely, like, a macho uh, movie fest. Which it was awesome. Like, Kurt Russell is in it. Yeah. You know, uh, Bill Paxton, fucking Sam Elliott. Oh, uh, Yeah, that movie's packed, bro. Yeah, you've got, like, Stephen Lang in, like, a side character role. Billy Bob Thornton in one of his first roles. Yeah. Um, You've got Michael Bean from The Terminator. You've got... (laughs) You've just got so many people. Yeah. But let me tell you, they're all fine. But Val Kilmer yeah. is the role of his whole motherfucking career as Doc Holliday. <laughs> he carries the whole goddamn movie on his back. 
spins it like a pizza pie, throws it up in the air, puts it in the oven, and bakes it to the perfect temperature, yeah. and boom, pulls it right out. And he was so engaging to watch and so much more interesting than everyone that this is a crazy sentence, but every time it went back to Kurt Russell with like his awesome mustache and his pretty okay storyline, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm bored, you know? <laughs> Where's Doc Holliday? Yeah. Where the fuck is he? Yeah. He was by far the best character and more interesting than the story of Wyatt Earp, which is what most right. of the movie is about. Which, I mean, it's not that bad of a story. It's just pretty standard Western fare and, like, I don't know. It, it just it didn't will, have a lot. Isn't it known? Which, okay, I watched bits and pieces of Tombstone a long time ago. And I don't know if I've ever said this publicly. The Western, my favorite genre of all time. I love genre. it. I'm sad that it's a dead genre, but... Um, oh, I mean, have you played Red Dead Redemption too, sir? <laughs> yes. That, okay. Mm, we need a whole episode to yeah, talk about that Yeah, because I, I honestly might say that Red Dead Redemption 2 is my favorite Western media, like, really? ever. Yeah. Okay. Just the, mainly because of the story. Oh, my God, yeah. It's that no, it's, good. It's so good. And that's definitely revisionist. Oh, it's Western. revisionist, but it also is, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, original Western, like, the classic Western, but it's, it's oh, my God, it's so good. But yeah. Either way, um, yeah, the western is my favorite genre, and I'm I I I know um, I need to see Tombstone because isn't it about? Um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but the the gunfight at the OK Corral yeah. is that the main? Okay, that's one of the main parts. Yeah. It happens midway through the movie. Gotcha. So yeah. I've heard that that sequence is pretty good. That's what stands out in the movie is mm. the the gunfights and stuff, and Val Kilmer, of course. Yeah, and it's star studded cast. But yeah, I need to watch it. I I own it. I just haven't watched it yet. What definitely okay. So I love westerns too. Right. It, but I've always been more of a like Clint Eastwood mm. western type of guy, Same. like the Dollars trilogy and just like everything he directed oh, throughout yeah. the seventies. And, and even 80s thing, and even 90s. westerns he acted in mm-hmm. are. Well, Golden. that's the thing is most of the ones he directed, he also stars in. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you have some great stuff in there, like Outlaw Josie Wales mm-hmm. is one that people don't give enough credit to. I, I think Pale Rider um, too is. Pale Rider's one. okay. I feel like, I like Hell, the mythology. Highlands Drifter or whatever that one yeah. is, that is is a little bit better. And then, of course, the one that won the Oscar, Unforgiven. Oh my god, it's my favorite movies ever. I need to rewatch it, because when I was 12, I was definitely like, oh, it's lame, they're not shooting people, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And now, that sounds like infinitely more interesting than a movie in which they shoot people the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll get back to it, I think, soon, because it's on HBO Max, and I'm I'm feeling western-y these days. But Tombstone just didn't really bring anything, like, new Mm. to me, and, like, the directing is kind of flat. Like, the gunfights are cool, but they're mostly well-acted. They're not, like, interestingly shot or, like, anything about the direction is, like, all that interesting. Like, I think Sergio Leone is the master of, like, the gunfight, because it's not even really about the gunfight after a certain point. It's about the people looking at each other yeah you're zooming in on their eyes like once upon a time in the west starts with like a a dude waiting for the train a 12 and like, minute long train sequence it's fucking nuts yeah like and that man that's a three hour long movie but because of the <laughs> pacing it's it's nail biting the whole yeah. time it's like yeah once upon a time in the west might be the best western movie ever i don't i don't I know if i can it, make actually. that claim but i love it i yeah. do love it so much um which surprised me because i definitely after coming out of the dollars trilogy i did not expect a movie to surpass it but if sergio right. leone did it yeah that makes sense and yeah. still with Inicio marcone on the score like how could you oh, go wrong God, yeah bro yeah um yeah, I need. I know. I mean, the westerns my favorite genre, but there are actually a lot of classic westerns that I haven't watched yet that I need to. But like, yeah. I, I want to watch them so bad. It's just finding the time. But um, like John Wayne movies, I, yeah. I, I, there's a huge. Oh my um, god, there's gap for me. so many. But I've seen I've seen actually a lot more John Wayne movies than I have. Actually, I don't want to say that. I've seen an equal amount of Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. I like Clint Eastwood's more mm-hmm. because there's more. Mm, how, what do you call it? Like depth in yeah. Clint Eastwood's. John Wayne is classical Western, while Clint Eastwood's revisionist. And um, I did do an essay over Stagecoach. I had a whole thesis on Stagecoach. Uh, Stagecoach is like the, the modern Western. Western yeah, right? it's it was it's it's regarded as the best classical Western and uh, a, like a masterpiece of Western cinema. And 
Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There's a dog in the studio. There's a dog here. I'm going to close the door. Okay, we're going to close the door really quick. And we're probably going to edit this yeah, portion I'll out. edit this out real quick. And we're back. And we're back. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I would really love to see Stagecoach. Mm-hmm. Um, even though... I've heard like the the Native American depictions in that oh, yeah, movie no, are pretty terrible yeah. these days, but I feel like that's most classic westerns. Which I'm not saying oh it's part of the times. Like excuse it. Like mm-hmm. I think part of any media or history growth is accepting that it was terrible, acknowledging yeah. that it's terrible, and then hoping to create something better. Yeah, and I even think like. You know, John Ford's The Searchers, which is maybe one of John Wayne's, like, most famous movies. Like, they were trying to say, like, not like the Western people yeah. were racist, but I think audiences at the time they did not get it. Get it. <laughs> they, they, didn't, like, they didn't get it, and, and I'll tell you why, because I actually love that movie, The Searchers. Like, yes, I, need I, to see it. I understand it's, um, it is... While they're trying, while John, I think that movie is like a repentance for John Ford mm-hmm. because, you know, John Wayne is known as like a, he was kind of a terrible racist. Yeah. And um, they kind of like flip the script on John Wayne at the very end because there's like this metaphorical doorway when he brings the girl home from, from being captured by the Indians and stuff. Um, they all go through the door when he carries her home. And John Wayne stands there at the door, and it's like the framing is immaculate. You just see this doorway, and it's black on either side. And then John Wayne stands there, and you see like the rolling planes in the back, you know. And he stand, and he looks through the doorway, and then he turns around, like towards like the sunset, basically, and walks away. And then it fades to black, and it's like he is not welcome. the The house, the metaphorical doorway, is like civilized people and moving away from the 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 killing and the, and the lawlessness of like the old west and then john wayne's like archetype is not welcome there and it's it's so amazing because john ford did this and i doubt john wayne even fucking knew what was going on like it's 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 people love it but for the wrong reasons and yeah. that's what's so interesting to me about westerns and about and about like culture the the culture surrounding westerns, the audience's perception of it. I could go on and on, but yeah, it's it's cool. It's dope. I'm I'm kind of if you'll humor this topic, maybe this is kind of a mini discussion. Definitely. Um, didn't John Ford end up doing another movie later on that was a little bit more blatant with the with the depiction of Native Americans and their their struggle? I think I think he did. I think um, wasn't it a movie? Okay, somebody did it. Maybe. Okay, maybe I'm confusing this. John Ford did a movie about Genghis Khan. Maybe. And, and they they filmed it near... A... Wait, is that the one where they whitewash Genghis Khan with yes. fucking John Wayne? Yes. Oh, no. But the thing is, where they filmed was a highly like radioactive area. And people theorize that's where John Wayne got his, like... Because he died from cancer, right? Or he Are you saying, from... like, he tried to kill him on purpose? No. No, I'm <laughs> saying that... I'm saying that the, the stupidity and the the irony of them filming a, a, a movie like that and filming somewhere where it's dangerous, it gave a lot of the, the cast and crew cancer, and John Wayne died shortly after filming that. I, I mean, I'll, we're going to fact check. We'll be right back. And we're back. So we fact-checked um, because we don't want to be stooges in this show. Yeah. Um, John Wayne did die of cancer at mm-hmm. 72 years old. And so I am right about, I've heard the theory that when they filmed a movie about Genghis Khan, they were filming somewhere very dangerous and there was high amounts of like radioactive material for some reason in that area. And they theorized that that is what gave John Wayne cancer. And so... Hey guys, this is Casey, post-recording session. Just wanted to pop in here real quick and clarify some points I made. Um, just to give you a little bit more uh, background on what I was saying about the theory of John Wayne. Uh, the movie in question is called The Conqueror, uh, where John Wayne played Genghis Khan. Uh, and basically, um, when they decided to film it, they filmed it in St. George, Utah. Um and at that time, there was a 100 miles away, there was an atomic bomb test site in Nevada, but the 
federal government had told the filmmakers that it was safe to do it to to film there. So all the cast and crew like went there, um, but they had no idea that eleven atomic bombs had been tested the year before in Nevada. So all the wind brought the radioactive uh, contaminated like air downwind into Utah, uh, and so. Um, about uh, you know, years later, they made the connection uh, to the Conqueror set because out of the 220 cast and crew members, 91 had contracted cancer and 46 uh, had died because of some type of cancer. And, and John Wayne himself died from stomach cancer and there was some other people that uh, one guy took his own life because once he was diagnosed with uh, kidney cancer um, but yeah that's the that's the theory they have they're pretty sure that filming on this set killed killed them including John Wayne um, which is interesting morbid but interesting but yeah okay back to the podcast yeah and but you found the movie about oh um, yeah and then John Ford did so John Ford did the movie called Cheyenne Autumn which came out years after The Searchers. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a pretty clear attempt to be like, look, <laughs> this is what I was trying to say. Yeah. is like So the movie, from what I'm reading, is about the Cheyenne tribe, um, you know, being tired of, like, the U.S. government going back on literally every promise they ever made. Yeah. And, and leaving their reservation. And then the, the officers tasked with bringing them back. And it seems like this movie makes it perfectly clear like stop siding with the white guy yeah. he's the problem he's bringing in this new age that's you know problematic mm-hmm. um obviously uh john ford that doesn't excuse like his his whole career yeah. in which he had problems but it, it does seem like the director himself was interested in trying to get it as right as he could yeah um throughout his career and maybe it was more of a these are the screenplays I'm working with. This is the culture I'm trying to make movies in. And this is why the message mm-hmm. keeps coming back to, like, fuck Indians. Right. We love cowboys and manifest destiny. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, <laughs> it's interesting to me that he tried so yeah. much and, and tried to get it right. Definitely. Um, yeah. And which is why, um, God, I, I mean, I don't care to go on this rant, but, like, the, the Western, I say it's a dead genre because, like, a bunch of, like, scholars and, like, theorists have been proclaiming this forever and even directors know it because when unforgiven came out in 93 94 um 92 92 um you're good (laughs) everybody just like simultaneously agreed that it was over like clint eastwood like unforgiven is known as the last great western because it, it 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 just it's like the perfect like epilogue to everything we've seen. And you if you'll ask like a hundred different people why they think the Western is dead, and most of the answers will be because that space that the Western is set in is gone. Everything's civilized now. The Western represented a crazy ass, you know, wild, like open, just like civilization was like just now like baring its teeth. Mm-hmm. And there was the outlaw, the people who resisted it. And, you know, the non-conformist, I guess, space you want or way you want to look at it. But now that space is gone. And audiences slowly just stopped reacting to that because, you know, when you have things like, like, like in the cinematic uh, realm with more dramas coming out, more thrillers, like we get into like the, the Hitchcock era, people are more interested in like espionage, like the Cold War starts and people start just kind of like, you know, reject. Of course, there was obviously there were westerns in the sixties, seventies, eighties because you know, Unforgiven came out in the nineties. But people were responding to it less and less because it just wasn't the same. And also, you know, the Indian tribes were like a big part of like almost every western movie there mm-hmm. is. And people started to realize and reject that because, oh wait a minute, no, they were never the problem. It was always us. And so, you know, thing, problematic things just started to happen, and which is why Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven is, like, the perfect epilogue. It, like, completely wipes that, like, or, or I guess, um, I want to say, like, it has the last word, mm. you know? And, and 
I mean, there's been westerns made after. James Mangold is, is another director who I think actually does westerns well. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like the noir film now westerns are because the, they say no no noir films have been made since like 1952 because it was that time era. There are neo-noir films mm-hmm. now. But noir was a time period. I kind of think of the western as a time period. Well, yeah, almost. now there's like modern westerns. Yeah, modern you know? western. And I feel like Unforgiven is like the... the ushering into that age like you know it wasn't the last western movie to ever be made but it's certainly the last one that clint eastwood seemed interested in making which you know once that figurehead left and was like i no longer have skin in this game you know it's interesting to see people who rose up to try and fill his place and i think Mm -hmm. coming back to tombstone that's why it's so weird it's a year after um Unforgiven. It was released in 1993. And it just kind of seems like a, a bit standard fare. Yeah. For, for a world where we have Unforgiven, which depicts, like, you know, the death of the Western, yeah. essentially, on screen. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to kind of do something more interesting. Than exactly. That. And I think that people have... Like, I'm sure 310 to Yuma is a very interesting remake. I haven't seen it. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, and that's and James sure, And I'm sure that there are a lot of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that there are a lot of, like, cowboy standard Western movies that yeah. have come out that are maybe pretty good. Yeah. They sound like they belong on the History Channel to me, though. Like, yeah. Tr- and that, I don't mean that in some kind of, like, zinger way, like, oh, yeah, history, baby, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's the kind of content <laughs> that you would see that stuff on. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, when I think of the westerns of the past decade that have mattered the most, like, uh, Deadwood, you know, mm. that's not at all, <laughs> like, yeah. cowboy western, how we know it. It's, like, gritty reality, and, you yeah. know, the, the racism towards Native Americans is, like, front and center, and the and the brutality of the mm-hmm. West is there. Like, the romanticized West is gone. You can't exactly yeah. do a, a movie about a gunslinger anymore, you know, and, no, it's, and it's expect too old, it to yeah. do well, you know. Like, Rango is fun. Rango, yeah, I feel Rango like, is, is one of the more Western. yeah. important Westerns of yeah. the past decade. I would just, yeah, I would just call them, like, you know, modern... They are, like, modern Western, or some people have called them uh, neo-Westerns. Because, mm. like, um, Hell or For, High Water is a good example of a neo-Western. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's good. Seen. It's Taylor Sheridan wrote the script, and it's got Chris Pine and... forget who the other dude is, but either way. Uh, great movie, but it's a kind of a western set in the modern day and uh no country for old men is another good oh, example no country for old men yeah. might be the best exactly. modern yeah. western I, out there i would put that like right after unforgiven <laughs> you know like like it's like you have unforgiven and it's like hey if you want some like supplemental materials there you go like mm. you know this is like this is that this is what comes what comes after that but like you know there's very few I don't know. It's it's well. Such a... Let me tell you this: No Country for Old Men, the book by Cormac McCarthy, yeah. predates Unforgiven. Yeah. So if true. you feel like there are elements of that story, I'm just saying, you know, there was a book before. That is and true. Cormac McCarthy is actually one of the great authors. Great Western that's author. brought in, you know, the modern era, yeah. like subverting those genre tropes. I feel like there was another movie I was going to say. You might disagree, but okay. I feel like you could classify Baby Driver as a western because it's got all of the makings of one like the young upstart like the the, the sundance kid essentially yeah. in baby driver who is very t- talented in his craft mm-hmm. a criminal which is no life for a kid that right, age right. and slowly the walls are crashing in on him so- civilized society is catching up same with baby driver he's got to get out of this criminal organization because gotcha. boom has met someone in the civilized world, has to get out of that environment, but people in the West, a.k.a. Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, all them, keep dragging him back into more heist, you know, like, we've got a plan, we're going to make another big score. Um, And then finally, it's it's a Western about escaping the West. Yeah, I mean, it kind of takes the same notes from Stagecoach, and pretty much either, like, every classical Western you meet, you know... There's the woman that comes into his life, and the cowboy has, or the outlaw, the cowboy, whatever, has two decisions. You either go with the woman or you don't. You mm-hmm. go civilized or you stay an outlaw. 
pretty much every movie it goes with the woman. So, yeah, I kind of agree with you. But then again, it's like set in like, what city is it set in? It's oh, like the, the space is not there. Like the Western, like the, the frontier, like the openness, you know, like that for me is what like, I, I don't know. It's like if you look at No Country and Hell or High Water, it's set in like Montana, fucking Utah, Texas. Uh, I see. I feel like the city or the setting doesn't matter as much as the, the theme and the lawlessness of it all. Gotcha. Like what makes me think Western is like the scene where like John Hamm is in a cafe and he's got a gun to like Lily James's back and he's like, I'm going to shoot her. And you know, they can just go to some random parking garage and sh- fire yeah. like their cars at each other, you know, like. There's that lawlessness and, like, they can run amok in the city. And, like, the law is prevalent, kind of like how in the West, you know, you might have to outrun, like, a a posse of sheriffs and stuff. They have to do that, too, and they can escape in, you know, their cars and everything. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but I feel like when crafting the movie, it might have taken inspiration from, yeah. from like, those big Western tropes and made it into something modern and something fresh that it's almost unrecognizable. Definitely. That it would have even had origins. That's true. That's true. Also, it's just Edgar Wright's great. Edgar Wright so, is but, honestly pretty good. Yeah. I mean, kind of disagree with you. I see what you're saying, though. Okay. You're making sense. You're actually, you're putting forth an argument that a lot of other, like, cultural theorists, when they talk about Westerns, they don't look at the space. They look at the, the characters, the lawlessness, which is perfectly valid argument, honestly. I can see how Baby Driver could be, but for me, it's all about the the, the setting. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, honestly, I'm more of a setting kind of, like... If you want, like, a good... Western, you know, that makes people think this is definitely a Western. You you gotta have some desert. You gotta yeah. have some like vast open spaces. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think I was just thinking of like, you know, modern twists. Right. And like something that's maybe been born out of the Western. Yeah. And no, yeah, that makes sense. From that, yeah. You know? But that's I don't true. think that even Edgar Wright would say, Oh, that's a Western. He right, might yeah. say like, Oh, that's you know, a crime mm-hmm like thriller musical fantasy <laughs> yeah <laughs> musical fantasy <laughs> i think you'd call it an um, an action musical to be honest yeah it's great whatever the he, fuck it is yeah it, it is. slaps he's great but i'm so excited for last night and soho yeah me too that's gonna be great it's gonna be good but yeah well enough of us talking about westerns what did you what did you uh what else did you watch oh i watched maybe even too much to talk about on this episode but um I'll, I'll get another highlight. I watched uh, Oh Princess Mononoke. Okay. Another great Studio Ghibli movie. Have you ever seen it? No, it's on my watch list on HBO Max. Okay, so. you have to. God damn. Like, this was before <laughs> Spirited Away. Uh-huh. And so what's funny about Hayao Miyazaki's career is, like, he's almost retired, like, three times. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time. Like, he was like, this is everything I want to say in a movie. And this is, like, my masterpiece this is my swan song i'm putting out into the world and you can tell there's so much love put into like every frame there is some crazy statistic i read that of like the hundred and ten thousand frames in the movie hayao miyazaki created or edited like eighty eight thousand. Oh oh my god like that many cells and it's fucking insane because oh my god i cannot believe like how many hours of work that must have taken like every frame in this movie is like a, a painting like, yeah truly Every frame of painting. Every frame. Great, great, great video essays. Yeah. Great video about Edgar Wright. Boom! It all ties together. Boom. But um, no, I just like if you if you like Spirited Away at all, just oh, like yeah. go go back and okay. see like a more actiony version. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie is insanely gory at times. Yeah. Like he shoots arrows and people's arms like fly off. You know, <laughs> heads are are, yeah. are sent. You know spinning you know and what's great is like the english dub that disney assembled for this movie is like so phenomenal you've got the keith david in there you've got um billy crudup who he hasn't been in a bunch he was dr manhattan and watchman but he does a really great job in this movie claire danes is in it fucking um billy uh oh shit billy bob thornton is in oh yeah okay yeah it's great um and then also neil gaiman wrote the english 
translation. Okay. So it's it's very it's very yeah. well done. The I, the Disney dubs of of Studio Ghibli I've come to find out are actually pretty good because they're all very. I watched the Spirited Away dubbed. I didn't even know. I, I usually if I have an option, I'll watch subbed every mm-hmm. single time. But it just started dubbed, and I thought that's weird. I'm like, did was this made like just with English uh, in English? And as I was watching, I was like, they are not. I was like watching their mouths move. I was like, they are not speaking English. And I realized it was the dub, but it was so fucking good. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to turn it off. Like, this is uh, incredible. So I can imagine the rest of the Ghibli films are just as good. There's a lot of love in those dubs, and it's mainly John Lasseter, like, mm-hmm. worked his ass off to make sure that those movies um, got a really good localization. And mm-hmm. then. Fortunately, his career and life as we know it ended before um, anything happened. John Lasseter. Yes. Yeah. Um, fortunately. Yeah, fortunately, he never did anything he wrong. Never, nothing, or, or problematic um, at all. He did not have a history of sexual allegations come no, out against him. No. Not unlike his, no. like, you know, his counterparts in the, in the film industry. Nothing like that. No, but, nothing like that. Um, but yeah, um, John Lasseter. Yeah, great movie. Um, cool. Well, speaking of, um, you said speaking of Watchmen, I watched, I watched a Snyder film. Oh. Uh, can can anybody guess what it is? Watchmen. No, it's, <sighs> it's Army of the Dead. His newest film on Netflix came out like what did it come out like three or four days ago? I think so, and they yeah. were in theaters before then because theaters oh, are okay. open now. Theaters are open now, and I need to go back, but haven't had the time yet. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's a... <laughs> it's Zack Snyder. Yeah, I have a lot to say about it. Um, I'll start off, uh, he was his own DP, mm. so... He, like, like what Alfonso Caron did with Roma, I'm sure, to similarly brilliant effects in Army of the Dead. Um, you know, you hit the, you hit the nail right on the head. <laughs> um... <laughs> No, so you know that last scene in Zack Snyder, no spoilers by the way, but the last scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League where Batman is talking to the Joker, Yeah. and you know how that's filmed? Yeah. The entire film. Are you kidding me? I am not fucking kidding you. That's terrible. It's horrible. So, the framing of this movie is sometimes okay, but most of it is absolutely fucking ludicrous. There's a shot, and I shit you not, where a zombie is climbing up on a tank, and the shot starts blurred out on the tank, and you see a blurry zombie hand grab the handle on this tank, and the, the fucking full frame is on this handle of the tank, and she's got her arm on it. And then he like kind of fastly zoom, like or pans up to her face, and she's still blurred out, and then very slowly her face comes into view, and right when she's in focus, he fucking cuts. To like like an expression shot of one of the of one of the characters, and I was like, "Bro, what?" And and, and that's not even that's not even the, here. Here's the here's the crumb brulee of the whole thing. It takes fifteen minutes for the actual story to start. The first fifteen minutes of the movie are completely prologue slash title sequence, and he uses a disgusting font to like on the movie like in the beginning. So my Maya, it's it's sounding like someone didn't like Army of the Dead by <laughs> Zack Snyder. Bro, he, he, I wouldn't be as furious about it. Is it if it's if he didn't like? The reason why I'm so mad is because I'll just like I'm just gonna pitch his concept to you: zombies in Las Vegas, but there's gonna be a team doing a heist. What the fuck? That's like the most outrageous fucking thing you've ever heard, right? Should be fun. It sounds fun. It sounds so fun. I'm like, that's the only reason I watched it. Because I was like, man, like, damn, that sounds too good to like miss out on. Like, you know, it's going to be fucking crazy. You know, you start the movie up and then, and then bam, Zack Snyder has no fucking clue what he wants the movie to be. Does he want it to be a, 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 a fucking you know, money-driven, sex-fueled Las Vegas romp with zombies and gore, or does he want it to be a character-driven fucking think piece? Like, you know? That's sad. I know. I I, I, I'm like, wasted potential. Exactly. I, man, I hate wasted potential. potential. <laughs> that shit. <laughs> I saw your picture, it looked oh, joyous. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. 
Got it. But yeah, man, I, it just kind of infuriated me because it's like, I can see glimmers of where it can be so fun. Like, it doesn't have to be great. It can just be fun and, and middling. And I would be okay with I'd be like, you know what? I had a great time. Bam. Three, three and a half stars on Letterboxd, you know? But I'm like, fuck. Like, he fucks it up. He really does. Because he, he like, all the things he could have done with a Vegas zombie setting, he, like, half-bakes. It is such a half-baked movie. But one thing I will say that is kind of painful to watch um, or to experience, to see connections to. Um, his daughter who died, didn't she... Um, I don't even... I don't remember. Autumn Snyder. Yeah. Okay. I don't even remember how she died, but I know that she died while he was filming Justice League, correct? Suicide. Suicide. Okay. The, and this is not a spoiler, but... There is a scene in this movie. There's already a, a father-daughter relationship in the movie that's strained. But there's a scene in this movie where one of the alpha zombies holds a dead fetus in his hands. And, like, the zombie starts, like, crying. And then he, like, fucking, like, screams. And all the other zombies just start fucking, like, screaming. And just, like, that scene, while as fucking goofy as that sounds, right... Just knowing who was behind it, like, I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, ah, oh, shit. And it's honestly, like, I, like, the scene shouldn't have worked, but it kind of did. Even though that, like, moment had not been, like, built up in the story hardly at all. Just seeing that there, I was like, whoo, that's enough for me, you know? I, I feel like that's a lot about what surprises me with Zack Snyder. Like, you know, we came in to Zack Snyder's Justice League, the dunk mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. And then I ended up kind of surprised. Like, the fact that it was four hours actually served it pretty well. Yeah. And, like, the darker tone served it well. Yeah. Like, every choice that he ended up making in that movie that I thought would make it terrible did pretty good. So, like, yeah. I, it, I feel like that's the appeal of some of his movies is, like, every now and then, it's a man that makes... This thoughtless popcorn food that Zack Snyder does yeah. surprises you with yeah. a, a moment of like genuine emotional depth, and mm -hmm. that sounds that sounds like one because I mean it comes yeah. from his life, yeah. you know, and it might be one of the only things from his movies <laughs> yeah. that comes from his life. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's what I kind of struggle with Zack Snyder about is like stylistically, he's very much style over substance, like all the way. And sometimes, most of the times, I get down with, like, what he's doing visually. But it's so, like, it's so, like, how do I say this? Like, he he decides to focus on things he shouldn't focus on and, like, ham up things a little too much that he shouldn't and take himself, his movies, they take themselves way too seriously sometimes, which is a big turnoff for me in his films. Yeah, not hot. Not hot at all. But, and I feel like Army of the Dead is that wasted potential. Like, you know, coming off of, like, Zack Snyder's Justice League and this whole, you know, bout, like, a whole event in his life. That shit crushes your spirits. Exactly. Sometimes you need to close the door to open a window, but he just slammed the window on his fucking toe, bro, <laughs> and just screamed. <laughs> I just, it's just disappointing. I feel like it's two and a half hours long. It could have been an hour and a half. There's uh, a lot that could have been. We don't need a Snyder cut of this movie. Like, it's Snyder all the way. Well, Netflix said it's the Snyder yeah. cut already. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, I mean, yeah, just kind of disappointing for me. Because I was actually looking forward to it. Like, after I saw the trailer, I thought, this looks ridiculous. But I'm going to watch it because that seems fun. It wasn't that fun. It really wasn't. I might still see it just out of curiosity. Yeah. I don't know. But it's yeah. It sounds like it turned out how I thought it would be. Yeah. Just not that great. Yeah. No. But the action is great actually. Okay. There's a lot of gore and the action when they're like shooting the zombies is like so like satisfying. Yeah, he so does action pretty he does, well he does. across the board. Yeah. You know? So if if nothing, go for that. Because the action is is A plus. But Okay. Yeah. Um I guess I could continue talking about movies, but I feel like we have something to discuss that's a bit overdue. Okay, yeah. That I think we should at least devote some time to. I forgot. You watched all of Invincible. I did. Finally. Finally. God God dang. Uh, do, do you have any like initial spoiler-free thoughts yeah. before we jump into a spoiler zone? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, holy fuck. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the the first episode totally caught me off guard. I'm like, this is like standard superhero fare. I'm like, what is this rave? Like, what is the rage about this fucking show? I knew it had to turn, you know, at some way, at some point in some way, because I'd seen some of the promotional images and stuff, and everybody talking about how crazy it was, and you had recommended it to me. But even then, like starting the first episode, I'm like, man, like, what is this? But those last five minutes, bro. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. The, the rest of the time, bro, it is a masterpiece of a fucking show, bro. I love it. I absolutely love it. The characters are all well-rounded. The action is like nonstop. Like the most violent action I've ever seen in a cartoon. And it tops Rick and Morty like for like most like violent gore, you know. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. And, and the writing is so good. And the animation is beautiful. So I really have nothing bad to say about the show, to be honest with you. I really don't. It might be my favorite show of the year so far that's come out. Um, yeah. I haven't seen a ton from 2021, mm-hmm. but it's it's also probably my favorite superhero show just yeah. of the past, like, maybe ever. <laughs> like, I like it more than The Boys. I think, really? Which is, which is pretty nuts because, you know, while I like the, the, the humor and, like, the mock make fun of everything aspect yeah. of The Boys, I think that animation is just the best platform for superhero shows because you could show a lot more shit and it doesn't look as silly and then also this show has heart still while it's satirizing a lot of the genre Mm. and a lot of its characters like you still get invested in a lot of the elements of the world and Mm. i like that a lot about it yeah um and i can't say too much more spoiler free right. i will just say if you haven't seen invincible yet i cannot please. recommend it enough finish the first episode please I, it's going to seem like standard fare it's going to seem pretty sterile but i mean casey mentioned there's violence so wait for it yeah it'll come it'll come and yeah i'm not going to say too much about that so yeah. anyway 3 2 1 skip to this timestamp if you don't want to hear spoilers Skip to about one hour and 40 seconds, my bros. So, uh... Think, fuck. Mark. Think. think. <laughs> In 500 years, <laughs> what will you have? <laughs> I have these. These what, Mark? <laughs> these nuts. <laughs> no, wait, it's... Candace. Candace. Candace who, Candace. Mark? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I just have been wanting to rave about this show for so long because yeah, at the end of the first episode that like, I actually had known that the show was going to get really gory because I saw a headline from like CBR or whatever Mm -hmm. that was like, oh, or no comicbookmovies.com that was like how Invincible will probably adapt the very gory comic. And I was like. Oh, this is a gory comic? I had no idea because I had seen trailers with like J.K. Simmons yeah. and Stephen Young and it looked standard fare. Like the first clip that I ever saw from the show was Mark and Omni-Man standing back to back and they're throwing the baseball yeah. around the world and they're having a conversation about what he would do with his powers. And I'm like, well, that looks pretty standard, but yeah. I do like Amazon and I do love those actors. So I'll check yeah. it out. And so I was planning on checking it out when it dropped. But then I saw that headline, and I was like, it's violent? What? <laughs> and I saw it, and I read a little bit of the article, and it mentioned, like, oh, blah, 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 Omni-Man murders, like, these people, and it's surprising. I'm like, okay. So I figured that maybe there was more to J.K. Simmons' character, and it might get violent. But then, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I was prepared to see a murder people, Same. I didn't expect it in the first episode, yeah. and I didn't expect it to that degree. Right. Holy shit, that's got to be the goriest sequence that i've ever seen in animation like it kind of made me sick the first time i watched it just how yeah just it's insane bro and and they trick you because there's like no gore in the very first fight sequence like the first 15 minutes of the episode no in the whole first bit like when mark is fighting people in that first episode there's no blood whatsoever Mm -hmm. and that's what i really love about the show is that they don't waste that shocking reveal like from the moment 
that dude's the Red Rush's head mm-hmm. gets exploded by Omni Man onwards. There's so much gore, and they use that to great effect. And even like yeah. the second episode when Mark is trying to save people, the aliens are just yeah, just, and they're exploding and it's bloody and it's like he like he like grabs that woman and she ends up breaking every fucking bone in her body. Oh, it's so brutal, bro. And then and then no, okay. So what got me? What made like literally made my jaw drop while watching series finale? Mm-hmm. Omni Man just fucking pilots him through the train. Yeah. Oh wait, the oh, pilot. The train. The train. Yeah, okay, the pilot, I, I was like, dude, the fuck? But the train, he drops down, just grabs Mark by the head, fucking puts him in that train, and just all the people splatter, like, oh my fuck, bro! I was like, bro, what is this? And then he, like, tries to save that woman on the building, and then ends up with her fucking arm. I was like, bro, bro, bro are, you, are you fucking kidding me? That is what I loved a lot about the show is they they showed you what the gore could look like and what the destruction was mm-hmm. and then it was like you so this is what I liked about the mystery of the show you know exactly who done it from episode 1 you don't know why, why? and it's so interesting yeah. you want to know every episode mm-hmm. you're like what could have caused him to do this and then you know like I love like a lot of the earlier episodes like I, I think the one where Mark teams up with Mahershala Ali's character that to is like my go favorite fight, episode. like yeah, and then like the random cat guy played like by Worf from Star Trek shows yeah. up and he kicks everyone's ass like yes, incredible episode. But I'll tell you what my favorite episode is is not actually the finale. It's the episode right before episode seven because you've known shit was gonna go down the whole time. And then, boom, the shit is here. Omni yeah. Man's loose. And, like, you know from the instant he fucks up those SWAT guys. Like, yeah. You know, he knocks that one guy on the table and his guts are, like, yeah. on the counter and everything. It's, fuck! And, yeah. and then I knew I was in love with the show when they, like, orbital strike him from fucking space. And, just like, <laughs> yes. and then he flies up there and they get him again and it's like, they throw everything at him that you've seen throughout the show. And then, including that monster, and then fucking Abraham Lincoln wakes back up. Robot gets his body back. Like, <laughs> everything comes to such a satisfying head. And then that cliffhanger is the best cliffhanger I've seen on TV in a while. Yeah. We need to talk. We need to talk, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like honestly, that like, was the worst week wait ever. You didn't have to. I didn't wait have a week. to wait. I didn't wait. We had to wait. <laughs> I know, bro. As soon as like I binged the last five episodes or four episodes. So when that when I saw that like the penultimate episode of season one, like in, I could not click fast enough. I was like, oh fuck this, like fuck this ad. So oh my god, fucking lucky. I know, bro. I and I'm gonna do the same thing when season two comes out. <laughs> I'm gonna wait. Like just no, wait fuck you. I kind of. Actually, we're doing the podcast. So I actually have to watch it because we got time. Uh-huh. But yeah. I, I actually really loved watching this show weekly. Like, yeah, it was insane because the first three episodes dropped as a group, right? Like how they did for the boys season two, which was great because you can't just leave people hanging after that episode one cliffhanger. And also, oh, yeah. I feel like it introduces you into the world a fair bit. So you have like a pretty good standard quality thing, and then episode four comes out. That's kind of a fillery one because that's the Mars episode. Yeah. Which that was something I really liked about the season one finale is everything you kind of thought they forgot about, they bring back up. Like yeah. the Mars stuff is back. The the Mahler twins, I mean, they started mattering earlier, but they, mm-hmm. they're clearly back. The the cat guy from episode yeah. five is back. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait for whatever season two and three bring to the show because... I mean, honestly, the storyline set up in just the finale. This has got to be one of the better season finales I've seen. Like, with how dis- how disappointing WandaVision's finale was mm-hmm. and how kind of, like, eh, I felt about Falcon and Winter Soldier after its finale. It was so good to see a season wrap up its storyline and then also set up future storylines in, like, a good constructive way where you already have... A really great season that stands up on its own, but you're also excited to see what comes next. Like yeah. if Invincible got canceled tomorrow, it'd be devastating. 
but we have a great, like one of the best yeah. superhero show seasons like ever. Ever, yeah. Right there, and you don't you don't need much more than that anyway. Yeah. So it's like the fact um, that we're yeah. getting, we're spoiled. I know we are spoiled, bro. That I like. I have a feeling that I know I'm jumping way ahead here, but when this show like wraps up, wraps up with its series finale, that is probably going to be. The, the most insane fucking episode in all of television history just because of like you know these characters and like how they animate the fight sequences and like just how everything is bro like just this and the writing the writing is so good i don't know how they got this show to pan out as good as it did bro amazon just puts out bangers honestly amazon's got some good shit they've got some very could, like especially in the superhero genre realm, like they are doing modern like superhero satire like content better than mm-hmm. anyone else. Like Jupiter's Legacy just dropped on Netflix, oh, and yeah. notably no one is talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it it kind of came and it's gone. Yeah, and I don't know if that's even going for the same vibe, but it certainly Felt seems like, like they're yeah. trying to get in the to the live action superhero game and they're right. they're late, you know? Oh, they're so late, bro. Um Amazon's got it on lockdown mm-hmm. with uh revisionist superhero yeah. stuff. And then <laughs> Disney's got the standard yeah, thing with the, the MCU. Classical stuff. I um I really hope that this show allows for more comic books to just be adapted into animated series because I'm kind of sick and tired of trying to see them work in live action. Yeah, they don't. They don't. A lot of them don't. They're too silly. You you see it in live action, you're like, that's silly. And I feel like a lot of things in this show might have looked fucking terrible. They couldn't have done it, dude. The budget would have been too fucking big. Animation is the perfect medium for this show. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I'm just going to say, in terms of Image Comics that did this uh, franchise, they have a lot of great comics that I'd love to see adapted. Like, obviously, yeah. Walking Dead and, um, oh, fucking Invincible are great ones. Robert Kirkman doing both of them. But this is just, like, a dream uh, for me if this were to be made into a series. Mm-hmm. Saga from that comic book line is probably the best HBO sci-fi fantasy show not yet put to film. <laughs> and it's so fucking good. It's not done with its run. So I think they should probably wait till they have all of the source material they need because obviously when you work outside of source material, that yeah. seems to fuck people over sometimes. Right. But I I really want a saga show. That's all. I, please? <laughs> yeah, right? Uh God. Are there any comics you like that you would like I'm to not read? A, I'm not a big graphic novel reader. I never have been. I keep meaning to bring over Watchmen, the Watchmen copy yeah. that I specifically have for you to read so you can realize that it's not some Zack Snyder trash. I know. It's I know brilliant. it's not. And then the show is brilliant and you'll love it and I'll... You'll be like, thank you, Isaac, so much. I love this so much and you'll give me one smooch on the cheek. Okay. Deal. I'll, I'll do that if I realize, realize. but yeah, um, I don't know. I'm a big, like, there are some books that I'd like to see adapted. This could be a fun episode topic, but I I would love to hear anyway, like one of them that you're thinking about. Warrior Cats. Warrior Cats. I, I need Jeremy (laughs) Irons to play Tiger Star or else I'm going to, I'm going to (laughs) scream. Well, um. I need to read more graphic novels. I will. I will read The Watchmen, but um, I need to catch up on Image Comics. Like I know that they put out bangers. I've heard like, Bro. especially this what you're talking about with Saga. I'll I'll check it out. You know, I could lend you Saga hey. too. Start with Watchmen okay. and then come to me. Poppy Poppy has some good comics for you. Okay. Okay, kitten. Oh. <laughs> kitten as in warrior kitten. Okay. <laughs> No, it's a kit in the Warriors, and then the filthy mangy cats that steal the kits are kit stealers, and they're no good. And on the Warriors forums online, if you got, like, if you were revealed to be a kit stealer, then you would be kicked out of the roleplay session. And one time, I got accused of being a kit stealer, but I was actually going undercover on the forum to find out the kit stealers but i didn't know how to share links yet so i told them like no go back to like page three 
of the discussion, you'll see that I said that I was going to go undercover, but I couldn't share links, and they didn't believe me, and they, they brandished, <laughs> they banned me, and they called me a kit stealer, no. and they kicked dirt on my name. I didn't, I didn't realize how deep you were into the forum size. Shut up! <laughs> what scares me is I have no idea where that forum <laughs> is, and the fact that posts from my old username might still be out there are crazy. It's not a username that I've used since. Right. It was like specifically made for, for Warriors. Warrior Cats forums. And that's where I'll leave you. If you can find that based on that information, you're psychotic. <laughs> you're psych. Don't ever contact us if you yeah, find don't. that. Yeah, <laughs> don't. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Just pretend like you don't know me. <laughs> well, this has been a good episode. Um, we'll be back. Uh, uh, I, I mean, yeah, okay. Well, back I, I feel to like, normal. Yeah, back to normal. I feel like I should say we took a hiatus. I went on a week-long vacation to Tampa, Florida. So, And you had... Uh, I had a, a gum grafting surgery. And I was also lobotomized, which is why I actually have another take to give. Okay. Well, let's hear it. Um, I think that Cruella is probably the most anticipated movie of the year. And people just take the live-action Disney movies because they don't understand that it's Disney movies for this generation. And so, actually, it justifies making remakes of a bunch of older movies because you know you're remaking it for this generation it's practically what thomas jefferson said in the constitution we have to remake it every 10 years so we're not enslaved to the left generation like we can't just have the original lion king out there we have to remake it did thomas jefferson really say that he did about disney movies (laughs) (laughs) when you wish upon a all right, now I'm going to edit in some wild-ass thing to that. Also, I, I highly like disagree a, with what you just said. Like a horse fucking your butt. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't make me edit that! <laughs> <laughs>